This is your host of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. I'm Leisha Holmes, and I just wanted to say thank you for choosing to listen to our episode. Now, before we start, I would like to thank our sponsors, Hoxo Media and Vincere. I will explain a bit more about them later on in the episode as to how you, our listener, can benefit from a unique discount by mentioning the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast when you contact them. Now, remember to click subscribe as you're listening now to get notified of every new weekly episode of the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Without further ado, let's jump in to the episode. This is Leisha Holmes, and I'm your host on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast today. And I'm secretly very in awe of my next guest because I've been following this particular person for quite some time, probably since the start of the pandemic in 2020. Uh, our audience community, please welcome Katie Maycock. And she is a prolific voice in all things well-being. And I was going to introduce her businesses to us, but she's the co-founder of Omnia and is also the founder of Get Your Shit Together. So welcome to you today, Katie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for such an awesome introductory. I think that's probably the best one yet. Oh, well, you're very welcome. But it's true because I've just watched you from afar. And I think when we were talking offline before we started recording, I think we felt like we already knew each other because we're both yeah. leaders of each other's content because I think we have we seem to have a similar voice. But for those who I can't believe don't know who you are yet, although we have got a global audience, please do introduce us to your businesses. What is Omnia? And tell us about Get Your Shit Together. All right, I'll start with Get Your Shit Together because that started first. So um, it's actually called Get Your Shit Together, literally and figuratively, where I talk about the impact that stress and anxiety has on the body and the mind. And I started that about three and a half years ago when I first moved to the UK. And it was something that was bred from my own personal experiences with burnout. So I burnt out twice because once wasn't enough for me. Um, I did it twice in recruitment. Um, and then I was borderline about to burn out again in one of my, my last sales roles. And so I nearly burnt out myself. And then I looked back and was like, oh my God, I actually have a degree in nutrition and physiology. I should technically know better, but I didn't. So I ended up um, burning out twice, then built Get Your Shit Together on the basis of, you know what, I'm not the only person that's gone through this. Let's actually help support some people um, to help them prevent burnout so they don't do what I did because it took me about a year to get back on my feet. And um, yeah, so I ended up working with business leaders, business owners, CEOs, MDs, all that kind of, all those kind of um, people, helping them understand their own stress, how to prevent it, how to manage it. And obviously how to actually support themselves, which then sort of led into me working with companies, supporting their, supporting their employees, helping them understand how their employees can manage their own stress. Then there was a bit of a trick. So then I ended up um, setting up Omnia only about a month ago, which has been the craziest month. So I'm actually the co-founder of Omnia um, with Mike Watman, who I'm actually pretty sure you've interviewed yeah, too. He's on the show. Yeah, he's my actual, he's the, he's the co-founder. So we actually got together and we were like, you know what, we actually need to, we need to have a really big conversation about well-being because it's such an important topic right now. And one of the areas that we've both seen from both our experiences working with leaders, working with companies is actually talking about the well-being of leaders and helping leaders understand the importance of managing their stress, managing their anxiety for not only their physical health and not only for their mental health, but also for their performance and their team's performance to actually develop sustainable growth through, um, through the organization. And 
you know, one of the biggest things, if you've worked in recruitment, if you've worked in a sales role, you know that there can be a churn and burn mentality. And that's what it's been for years. Mm-hmm. And we want to change that because it's not sustainable for the company or for the people that are working in the industry. It's remarkable and what a brilliant intro. And absolutely huge hello to Mike. He was on our show earlier on this year <laughs> um, in 2021. So thank you very much for uh, reminding us of that. It was a great episode and we'll make sure there's a link in the comments to that as well. And I think you're absolutely right. I think it's time that we moved and shifted away from this acceptance that recruitment particularly, which is obviously our main audience, mm-hmm. is burn and burn. Absolutely yep. ridiculous. I mean, I appreciate you sharing that vulnerability there that you had your own burnout. So, I mean, that's what we're looking to not just prevent, but actually put measures in place where it's not even something that leaders have to think about. But yeah. given what everybody's experienced since the pandemic kind of blew up the whole mental health debate and well-being and made it part of the normal conversation, I think it's really imperative that you know people understand that they don't need to find themselves isolated you know I imagine that there's a lot of people listening now who are maybe running you know a small to medium-sized business or even a large corporate where you, do you feel that you're almost exposing yourself to people saying well you know actually I feel like I'm heading for burnout because you've got so many elements that you're, you're managing so so why do you think you know I guess the re- the main reason that people will approach you um as a you know they're running a business they're a leader or maybe they're a leader within a company um why do you think that they need to do that you know why why do we why do we need to almost put the preventative measures in place before they can think about their own team members well at the end of the day I think when we're looking at burnout if you as a leader and this is something that I've had to try to talk to business owners and business leaders about it's like if you burn out you're not going to be able to help your team you're actually creating habits you're creating a culture and a precedence based on stress and burnout and here's the thing there are warning signs when you're burning out but sometimes you don't know them until you're literally knocking on the door of burnout and by that time it is so difficult to turn back and you're losing profits you're losing productivity you're losing performance and you can't help your team so if you are not if you are burning out as a leader, how can you even possibly support your team? The other thing that you've got to remember with burnout is it's emotional exhaustion, mental exhaustion, and physical exhaustion. It's not just physical where everyone's just like, oh, I'm just really tired today. No, it's the emotional side as well. As a leader of a company, of especially people managers, you need to be able to have the emotional and mental resilience to help work with people, especially during times of high stress, because Here's the thing. It's not about getting rid of stress. It's not about getting rid of pressure. It's being able to understand how to utilize it for the for a good thing and when to back off as well. If you can't do that as a leader, how can you spot the signs in your team? And you're just sort of, end, you're going to end up churning and burning yourself. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think, I mean, obviously you've been in this industry for a very long time. You know, you, you yourself have gone through burnout, not just once, but twice. I mean, that's a remarkable <laughs> testimony to be able to share with people of, what the warning signs were if you look back retrospectively with that hindsight if somebody like you had helicoptered in at the critical point you probably maybe wouldn't have gone through one never mind two burnouts so do, do you think there has been an increase since the pandemic started in 2020 and if so why why, why more so than prior to that so I 100% I do believe that there has been an increase in burnout so I'll give you a couple of I'll just give you a couple of facts like we'll just do a bit of a history lesson on burnout just quickly so <laughs> The one thing is where I think where we, when we look at burnout, it's really made a lot of noise since 2019 because the World Health Organization came out and said it was a diagnosable syndrome. High five the World Health Organization for that. We've seen a massive increase in obviously 2021 because we didn't, you know, the last 21 months because it's been a lot of all work and no play because we've not been able to go out, um, you know, 
disconnect from the disconnect from the um from technology from from you know from ourselves we've been kind of trapped we've obviously in the last six months been able to be a little bit let out however there still has been that increase in burnout and I think a lot of people kind of thought oh once the pandemic's over once lockdowns are done we won't see burnout actually no we're going to see an increase in burnout because people are either potentially trying to make a profit back that what they felt like they lost over um you know over the last 20 odd months or so or the other element is, is they've actually ended up gaining pace and they've ended up getting more, um, they've ended up getting more business than they could possibly deal with. And so that's putting more pressure on employees as well. So there's definitely a twofold. However, the thing is with burnout, it has been around since 1976. This isn't a relatively new thing. It's something that's been around for, for numerous years. The first person to actually coin the term burnout was a guy called Herbert Freudenberger. He was a psychologist in 1976. And I predict we're going to be seeing huge amounts, um, an increase in burnout in the next 18 months as well, in my opinion. Yeah, because I think you're right there. And I think if I was to sort of pigeonhole some of my clients, I think they probably do fall into sort of two of those camps really where they've either absolutely, I mean, recruitment generally, the recruitment industry as a whole, because it's so talent short, which we know has other factors, mitigating factors, Brexit, mm-hmm. et cetera, you know, swarms of people leaving hospitality and leisure because everything's changed on the high street. Um, I think that people are probably sort of almost backpedaling, trying to catch up to where they were pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, so like you say because we've got other, we've not even talked about yet the fact that the working landscape has changed so significantly with hybrid working remote working so there's all these different factors and pressures not least the health impacts you know people mm-hmm. coming and going with covid you know people are internally having to lock down offices still you know there's still this element of i think there's a lot of uncertainty and i think yeah. that for me that was that's possibly one of the main triggers of why people that have previously coped maybe haven't coped because it's things that are out of our control that cause anxiety, right? 100%. So it's uncertainty breeds anxiety, right? So we've lived in a very uncertain world. We've not been able to live our normal lives. We've had to to change, adapt, evolve, pivot, all the, all the gross words that we've heard the last 20-odd months. Um, but we haven't been able to, to live the lives that we've typically lived. And we've kind of gone into this realm of, you know, hybrid working, working from home, um, you know, four-day working weeks we've seen a huge amount of that popping up and I have some opinions about that um but yeah it's definitely a different landscape and people are trying to figure out how to make it work and for leaders like you say there's all because there's so many different moving parts now never mind pile on the usual pressures maybe they're catching up maybe they have to furlough people bring people back whatever the reasons are actually I'm even I'm feeling a physiological effect here for these imaginary people so no wonder that there's been burnout so from your point of view, and I want to answer it twofold, really, in terms of preventing it, because you have got the nutritional background, you've got the psychological mm-hmm. background, you've been in this in the seat, you've done the job. Mm-hmm. What can leaders do to protect themselves? And then the second part of the question is, what can they do to then protect their team members and their employees to ensure they look, observe signs of early stages of burnout and, and prevent that from happening? We briefly interrupt this chat on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast to introduce to you our partnership with Vincere, the recruitment operating system. Vincere is the modern recruitment operating system for recruitment and staffing agencies around the globe. A single tech platform that unifies your CRM, your ATS, your website, candidate and client portals, shift scheduler, timesheets, data and analytics, and now 
including video interviewing and outreach, all under one roof. This is the reason the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast chose to partner with Vincere, because we want to make the job of a modern recruiter as simple as possible. So if you're looking for a new recruitment CRM to manage your entire operation, visit vincere.io and remember to mention the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Now, back to the chat. So whenever I look at managing burnout and stress, I look at it on a four in a fourfold because typically if you have one of these pillars missing, you're actually going to end up affecting all the rest. So I've got the background of the nutrition and well-being that's hand on heart my background and I love it um so we always look at diet exercise sleep and then we have to look at stress management because at the end of the day stress management is going to impact the food choices that you make the amount that you sleep and the, ex the amount of exercise that you do and then vice versa the food that you that you eat is going to impact how you exercise how you sleep and your stress management as well so if you've got a good if you've got a good base of actually going, you know what, my diet's pretty good, my exercise is pretty good, my sleep is, you know, sleep is probably a really important one that gets completely missed in recruitment because it's, I don't know if it's changed much. I've only been out of the industry for five plus year, five or so years, but it was work hard, party hard. I know I did, I did work in Australia, so I don't know if that was the Australian mentality, but I kind of get the feeling from working with a lot of recruitment companies here. Same mentality, same mentality. Um, but yeah, getting enough sleep, making sure you've got that stress management. And a lot of it is taking inventory. I think it's really easy when we're in high stress situations to kind of put that stress at the, at the, you know, at the side and go, you know what, it's just part of the job. It's just a part of the job. And then we keep pushing it to the side and it keeps building up and we keep ignoring it. And then all of a sudden we wake up, I'm like, actually, I'm really overwhelmed right now. And it's being able to look at your stress and actually go, what can I do about it? What can I do about it? And what can I influence? Right. So it's being able to take a step back and take a bit more of control of your world. Look, you can't control all stresses. I always say this. Life is always going to throw curveballs at you. And sometimes you're going to catch it with your face. It's just it's just the, it, it is what it is. You have to find ways to pick yourself up. And I think when we look, look at, you know, one of the biggest pushbacks I get from leaders, um, especially in recruitment, is, well, we don't want to take the pressure off our sales team and I don't take the pressure off myself. I actually work well under pressure. And it's actually finding the optimal amount of pressure that you work under that's actually going to get you to point A to point B in the most efficient and effective and sustainable way. Mm. And being able to find that is really important and stress management becomes hugely important on that instead of just ignoring it and I think that's another going back to your previous question that's like why have people burnt out we've ignored stresses because we've had to right we've had to ignore certain things because it's like well I can't do anything about that I might as well just focus on something else and we've not really dealt with a lot of the stress that we've we've faced and then it becomes overwhelming and then we burn out yeah. so that's managing it for leaders mm. on the side when it comes to um your team, it's being able to take inventory. And I think one of the biggest things that has to come out of this new era of well-being has to be the understanding of the communication piece when it comes to stress management and well-being within your team. It's great when you have a well-being policy, but I really would love to know how many leaders are actually reading the policy and enforcing that policy. Yeah. I would say quite a few people are not, um, not quite a few, quite like a lot less people are doing that than, than should be. So it's being able to develop a culture within your team to understand actually holding your, all you got, all your, you know, your team accountable for the diet, exercise, sleep, stress management, and actually making that a conversation piece. And it's actually, you know, a lot of companies like, well, that's not our, it's not our job to do that. No, it's not, but you can absolutely encourage and you can talk about the importance of that and building a culture, especially stress management 
if you build a if you build a culture based around stress management and having those open conversations and having somebody to able to go to you before they get overwhelmed going you know what i'm feeling a little bit stressed out right now this is what's going on and sometimes people just need to talk about it if they have the opportunity to talk about it they can talk out a solution and you can support them with a solution as well so your team won't burn out so it's being able to you know, again, then it's also understanding your team on an individual setting, right? If you've got 10 people in your team, those 10 people are going to have different pressure points. So, and they're going to have different optimal pressures. Mm. Someone can stay out. Um, My headphone just fell out. Um, So it's being able to understand the individual optimal pressures of those people within your team. You know, your top performer might be able to work really well under high amounts of pressure. You might have somebody else that can't. So it's not, it's being able to balance how you manage those people in your team. That's super important when it comes to preventing burnout and spotting signs is a different one, but I feel like I've kind of talked yeah. at you for ages no, no, you haven't at all and and you know I think it's really important that you know especially those leaders who then have you know um, a cascade management team a leadership team so if you're mm-hmm. an MBA and you've got you know regional managers or you've got divisional managers and then empowering them to understand how to spot those signs as well but it's it all comes down to the culture doesn't it and I think mm-hmm. I'm very mindful that certainly over the last 22 months or so um, there are two tick boxes that companies seem keen to have on their website and as their key values, which is around diversity and inclusion, and it's around mental health and well-being. And the reality is it's brilliant having a policy and talking about it, and these are the key things we're going to do, but what does it actually mean day to day? And I yeah. think that there's, you know, the compound effect in anything, whether it comes to diet, exercise, mm-hmm. you know, you eat one chocolate every day for a month, by the end of that month, you will have put on X amount of extra weight because you're at yeah. compound effect. If you do 10 minutes of exercise every morning over a period of a month, you will lose X amount or you will gain X amount of muscle. The compound effects of stress isn't works in exactly the same way. And I'm sure you'd appreciate that, won't you? You'll, you'll corroborate. Yeah. So I think it's for leaders listening, don't underestimate what this period of time has done two people and they might not be talking about it but creating this culture where it's it's an open policy come and talk to us about it what your pressure mm-hmm. point is is going to be very different from joe blogs mm-hmm. over there because actually mm-hmm. they thrive on it you know maybe they enjoy that extra pressure so i think it's it, it's understanding coping strategies for different people isn't it and having 100 mm-hmm. i think the shift has possibly been since you haven't been a, a, a day-to-day recruiter but you, you deal with recruitment business owners every day yeah, yeah, yeah. and i've seen this and this is brilliant for me as a huge champion of sobriety that there seems to be a shift away from the getting pissed to we're going to go out on a you know, a, they're going to go up a mountain or they're going to go and have a meet a gorgeous meal out or have a food experience or they're going to go and chuck axes and de-stress. Yeah. There's been a real shift and I applaud that because actually there's so many ways to skin a cat when it comes to enjoying team building exercises. Do it around nutrition, do it around fitness, do it around, yeah. you know, have a little challenge. Who can get the most sleep tonight? You know, I mean, that, that's probably not a healthy thing to suggest. No, no, it's, it's actually, it's not about getting the, to be fair, it's not about getting the most sleep. It's about getting the best quality of sleep, right? So, you know, if we look at the latest research, you know, you need seven to nine hours of sleep to be the best version of yourself. And I think people kind of put sleep diet exercise as a, well, that would be nice. And what do we all do when we get really busy and stressed out? We stop exercising, we eat crap, and we probably, we, we don't sleep as much, whether it's because we're stressed out and we can't sleep or because, you know, we've got deadlines, we've got targets, we've got to do all of these things and we kind of put it to the, to the wayside. 
The other thing about alcohol is alcohol will directly impact your ability to sleep. So you're not going to get good quality sleep anyway. Um, but at the end of the day, we all know if we haven't had a good night's sleep, it impacts our ability to make decisions, quality of thinking, our focus, our concentration. So at the end of the day, all of these things are so important when it comes to performance as well. And I think well-being has kind of been pushed to a side. It's like, that's a nice thing to have, but it's actually understanding how do you actually tie in well-being into your company as a core foundation to actually utilize it to actually increase performance. And a lot of people don't understand that relationship and how they align. And, you know, that comes down to supporting mental health as well. So, you know, although with what we're doing with Omnia, we talk a little bit about mental health in regards to stress and burnout, but we actually talk about it as preventing mental health issues because we're trying to get the right things in place. Obviously, there's certain things you can't prevent completely, um, but we're really trying to, to support that. And one of the things that we're really focusing on is we understand every organization is different as well. So we can come in and give you a a framework, a policy or whatever it is, but it might not be right right for your organization. So we've actually come up with um, a piece of software. We've actually partnered with a piece of software where we're actually going to your company. We completely do a massive survey of your leaders, of your team, find the actual pain points that's not working for your company and actually help you create bespoke wellbeing strategies that's specific for your company. That's what we're specifically doing because at the end of the day, I can go, I've gone into multiple recruitment companies you know, recruitment company A might have a completely different problem to recruitment company B, but the symptoms are the same, but the root cause is different. So we've actually got to find what the root cause is. And actually every single recruitment business owner is all trying, they're all trying to drive profit and productivity. Yeah. And in order to achieve those two key P's, you have to look after the well-being. It all starts with that. So for those who, are, there are still plenty of people out there who are dismissive of the emphasis on what we're talking about today. Yep. But actually, yeah. you have to take it back back a step because it, all these things that we're talking about will create better productivity and better profitability for your business, which ultimately is what every single person listening is, is looking to achieve. Just on and it's sustainable. And uh, it's sustainable. Because at the end of the day, like here's something that I really want leaders to think about. Mm. Whenever I ask this question to leaders, they always like, I don't really know where you're going with this. But it's like, how yeah. long, what's the tenure of a salesperson, a, you know, a recruitment person in your organization? And most companies, it's 18 months, right? Yeah. 18 months, maybe a little bit longer. Um, but typically on average, it's 18 months. And then you ask the same leader, how long does it take to make a recruit, like a recruitment consultant or recruit a profitable? They're like, well, 18 months. I'm like, so pretty much you're actually training your staff to work for a competitor. Yep. It's absolutely not sustainable. And the amount of money that you are losing from doing that, if you then actually nurtured that person, created proper created tra proper training pro uh, programs, developed a well-being foundation for your whole organization, you'd to actually boost that performance, boost that ability to, to increase sustainable profits. So it's not just about, you know, oh, it's woo-woo taking care of our staff. Well, it is, but it's also actually, it's really important to increase performance. It is. And actually, obviously I'm a rec to rec. So why do people come and talk yep. to me? Why are they coming to talk to me now post-pandemic? Because they're not being emotionally looked after. It's actually nothing mm -hmm. to make money anymore. And of course, you know, there's an assumption that most companies will be meritocratic and you will earn mm -hmm. money. That's almost an assumption now. So it's almost parked as a reason for leaving. Categorically, most people are leaving leaders because those leaders are not supporting them emotionally, whether yeah. that's down to stress management whether or poor stress management, whether that's down to inflexibility, there's no compassion around, you know, mm -hmm. family issues, whatever it might be. So I think this is such a huge bomb under recruitment. And yeah. I that's shocking. And I probably think that 18 months is at a push. 
Uh, in terms of managing people's expectations, I always say it takes at least two years to show true achievement in a desk. Yeah. What are you doing? You just have yeah. to rehire and keep paying me. Thank you very much. <laughs> but, I mean, we don't want to make you redundant, obviously, but it is it's one of those it's it's one of those um, areas where it's been kind of glossed over. And I think a lot of, you know, one of the biggest pushbacks that I have gotten since working in this industry three and a half years ago was yeah, well, we don't want people just to take days off. They're not going to be working. You know, we can't just give people days off. We can't just, you know, tell people to have like mental health days. We don't want to people. We don't want people to go. I can't work today and and leave early and, and not hit their targets and that be okay. And I'm like, okay, that's one way to look at it. Or the other way to look at it is actually create an environment which means that they don't need to have those days off. Absolutely, all the time. <laughs> And we don't, and they don't need to feel like they're they're so overwhelmed. They have to go home now. Obviously, mental health days are really important. There have been absolutely times in my life where things have been so hectic at home, and there's been so many things going on that I actually needed just a personal day just to deal with life. And that was really what I was. That was really well received when I was working in recruitment. From my, I actually had. I didn't burn out because my managers and my company was awful. It was just that was it was me. I actually had really great managers. They were really supportive. But this was you know 10, 10 years ago when it wasn't really spoken about getting burnt out and all that kind of stuff. It was just you can't hack the job kind of mentality, which wasn't true. But um, but yeah, I think it's just it's changing the narrative. It's changing the narrative based around oh, we can't, we don't want to have weak people. We've got to make them more resilient. And it's like, well, what do you mean about resilient? Because what putting more pressure on somebody consistently without giving them the time to actually take a break is not resilient. They're just going to snap. So let's have a conversation about that. I would like to put myself here as an example that I think very, you know, subjectively, because I'm me, but also feedback that I get. I know that I'm exceptionally uh, focused on daily self-care uh, I'm a solo parent, you know, we talked off camera, I bring up two daughters on my own, I run a full time business, I'm running the podcast, you know, I'm trying to be everything to everybody. So how do I avoid burnout is that I actually pause every single day, every single mm-hmm. day, I make time to do a workout. I do my 10,000 steps as well, even if it's at nine o'clock at night, I literally put my AirPods in and I go every single day, because that's how I get up every day, having had I probably need so I'm the seven hour camp, but I do mm-hmm. get seven proper hours sleep and I, and it's getting up every morning at the same time. We had Stephanie on from the Sleepyhead Clinic. She's amazing, mm-hmm. brilliant guest. And the whole episode was about sleep quality and how to mm-hmm. do it. The key thing is it's not about what time you go to bed, it's about what time you get up every single day. Yep. And sober life, you you sleep, that's it. You learn how to sleep again. Um, so I think maybe that's something that I say to people who I, you know, I'm not a mental health, I mean, I do the mental health first aid course, of course, but I'm not a practitioner. I'm not in your capacity, you know, going into companies and assessing people from a wellbeing perspective, but just as a human being who's, you know, been, I've been in recruitment 23 years, that's how I've avoided it, that every single day I pause, even if it's for 20 minutes during the day. Yeah. I think that just that good habits, I think that's the thing. It doesn't have to be drastic. But as an, and I always say this to companies, we're not trying to overhaul everything. We're just going to implement a couple of little things because little things can make a big change. And it can be as simple as, you know what, well, I'm going to go to bed an hour earlier today to make sure I get that seven hours because I'm going to get up at the same time every day. Because people typically, especially during the week, they get up at the same time. So it's actually making sure that it's like, you know what, I'm just going to go to bed an hour earlier. And it doesn't have to be a massive overhaul. And I think that 
companies are worried that it's going to change something. They're going to have a dip in profits. They're going to have, they're going to have to completely overhaul everything. No, just do something simple. Like at the end of the day, you can't change your culture overnight. Like I think one of the funniest things is I do work with a lot of recruitment companies that are like, we started talking about mental health, but you know, you know, so-and-so went off last week with being signed off with stress. What are we doing wrong? I'm like, you started a month ago, you have to build that trust up to have those conversations and to shift that culture. It's, you know, how long is it taking you to build up this, this culture within your company? 20 years, you know, how about 10, 10, 15, 20 years, it's not an overnight fix. So even if you just do really simple, yeah. basic little habits that you do every single day, it starts to take and you can build on that. So it doesn't have to be giant. Yeah. In the same way that, you know, to run a successful recruitment desk, never mind business, it's lots of little things every single day. And if you took one of those things out, you probably wouldn't have the same success. And it's exactly, exactly. The same when it comes to your mental well-being. But how do we do this with these? How do we oh do gosh. this? How do we switch off? I mean, for those who are listening, I just held up my phone because we're a 24-7 culture, aren't we? And, and yeah. especially now, seeing as a lot of us are working remotely, hybrid, you know, how do we ensure as leaders, but also as individuals listening, who we got, we have a lot of newbie recruiters that listen actually. How do we prevent burnout from being constantly available? Okay, so I just wanted to break away from the chat for 60 seconds to talk to you about an issue a lot of agencies are facing right now and what one company, Hoxo Media, are doing about it. There's a lot of talk about what it takes to be the quote unquote modern recruiter, personal branding, building an online presence, finding new and innovative ways to engage the market, whatever your market is. It's an approach most businesses are fumbling around with at the moment, to be honest. Meanwhile, Hoxo have absolutely nailed it. They are arguably the world's foremost marketing agency dedicated exclusively to the recruitment sector. And they've worked out what recruiters need to do to see tangible success through online activity. They've developed a proven methodology to follow on LinkedIn daily to establish you, you, as the go-to recruiter in your space and drive inbound leads and new business opportunities on a consistent basis. Now they teach it all to you over an eight week course in the Hoxo Academy. I actually completed the Hoxo Academy in the very height of COVID and it completely transformed my business. In fact, it paid for itself by the end of week two. The best place to find out more about Hoxo Media is to check out their website, hoxomedia.com or search for them on LinkedIn and give them a follow. They give away an absolute ton of valuable advice and actionable tips for free. But if and when you're ready to seriously invest in your online brand, give these guys a shout, but make sure to tell them that Leisha from Key Recruitment sent you and just quote the podcast, the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast, and they'll give you a cheeky discount as well. Not bad, eh? Now, back to the chat. So this is something that I speak to a lot of companies about. It's we've, we've created habits and we've created cultures and we've created expectations based around being constant, being constantly available to our, you know, to our employees, to our clients, to our managers. There's this constant thing where we have to be connected. And I think that especially over lockdown, I think lockdown was an incredibly 
interesting um, experiment from you know for people working from home. And I think that people worked people would generally I don't think I know people worked longer and harder when they worked from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's being able to have really strict boundaries. And I think that this is something that a lot of companies need to take a bit of a, a look in the mirror and think, do we have strict boundaries in place? You know, Portugal has, I don't know if you read, saw this last week, which was Portugal. Yeah, so Portugal came out and have actually made a law that it's illegal for companies to tax their staff um, on their non-working hours. Now, do I think that's a little bit extreme? Potentially, but I also think it's setting a it's setting a conversation piece going, actually, do we expect too much from our employees? Do we expect too much from our leaders? Am I expecting too much from myself? Because, you know, what's the first thing that we do when we wake up in the morning? If we wake up at six, we might check our emails, we might check our messages, check our phone calls, check social media, check LinkedIn, whatever it is. And what we're actually doing is, is we're actually looking at other people's wants, needs and desires without checking in with ourselves. That's a massive thing when it comes to burnout. There are so many symptoms of burnout that can be super subtle at the beginning. So I always say that burnout's a destination, there's a journey that precedes it. So understanding where you are on that journey means that you have to be able to check in with yourself going, actually, how am I feeling? What am I doing with my life right now? Like what's happening in my world? Am I feeling a bit stressed out? You know, where's my diet at? Where's my exercise at? I think it can be really simple to be like, I'll, I'll do that tomorrow. I don't need to, you know, I've got. I've, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so, being, so checking in with yourself, calling yourself out in a way saying, you know what, like, I know I'm not doing this. So it's having these really strict boundaries in place. And, you know, I've had clients where they've actually turned off their emailing systems of an evening and won't turn it off, turn it on until a certain time in the morning. And that's working for them because like, we don't want our staff to be burnt out. And, you know, then the pushback from, from other leaders and from potential employees is like, well, what about our, our clients? It's like, we'll talk to your clients about it saying, Hey, our emails get switched off because we're trying to take care of the mental health of our staff. It's actually having those conversation pieces with, with um, your clients as well and setting those boundaries. So setting boundaries with, for yourself, setting boundaries for your employees and setting boundaries for your clients, right? So it's being able to say, these are the hours that I work. These are the hours that I'm going to be contactable and setting, setting up that structure for yourself. And that might look different to every single person, you know, like you might have somebody that's actually quite comfortable working 12 hours a day. They will never burn out and that's completely fine. But you might have somebody else that's like, I can't do that. I've got to have my eight hours. And it's, and it's understanding what, you know, understanding performance rather than, you know, the input of work rather than it's the quality of work, not not the um, quantity. So being able to take that, taking a step back and looking at that, but it's definitely setting boundaries and understanding what that looks like for you. I love that. And setting boundaries is something that is indicative of the communication that you have with your team, with your customers. It's setting expectations, actually. Yep. Uh, and I think that's a beautiful way to finish this. We've taken so many points and uh, I'm sure that anyone that's listening might need to come back and listen to this twice because I've just been sat here thinking, oh my goodness me, if people aren't taking heed of what Katie's saying, then you uh, you seriously need to take a, take a pause and put yourself first. You know, I think that the it takes one pebble to cause a ripple and by doing so, you're actually preventing a tsunami and that's what... Yeah. You're- try and avoid because the fact is to make a sustainable successful contented workforce make these changes now and you will keep hold of your best talent which ultimately 
is also going to be the biggest thing that we're going to be we're going to be talking about i'm sure in 2022 yeah so thank you so much i knew you'd be an amazing guest you are <laughs> so dynamic and open and so you know you've got your opinions are so based on experience but you know the fact that you've got such a brilliant objective viewpoint of the market because of all the different clients that you've got anybody that wants to get in touch with katie please do make, drop her a linkedin request we'll make sure that there's links to get your shit together and on near as well Thank you for joining us on the Recruiters Recruitment Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've had fun.